This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. At the request of President Biden, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will bring the rail issue up for a vote this week. In a statement, Biden saying he is pro-labor, but a railroad strike would be devastating for the economy. Congress will vote on a deal that has uh, had tentative approval by all sides in September. This five-year contract includes significant pay increases, includes back pay, paid sick leave, and uh, paid sick leave has been the problem. Eight of the 12 labor unions ratified the contract. Four did not. A striker work stoppage is possible after December 9th without congressional intervention. In a statement, uh, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack urged Congress to quickly pass legislation to adopt the tentative agreement between the Class 1 railroads and its union workers. Vilsack said a rail shutdown would have significant and long-lasting effects on the food and agriculture sector. National Grain and Feed Association and the Soy Transportation Coalition immediately praising the administration's decision. Commodity markets are expected to remain skittish until it gets a better handle on how the Chinese government will handle the unprecedented protests happening across the country. The demonstrations are against China's zero-tolerance COVID policy. Protesters have called for President Xi Jinping to resign and challenge the authority of Chinese Communist Party. A leadership change is not expected, but policy changes are possible. Those protests have consequences for the global economy especially with a supply chain that is already struggling. And grain traders are watching what the Chinese government's response to the COVID protests would be. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi said that trade, pretty nervous. Well, it's having an impact. We're watching it carefully. We just don't know what to do with it. We don't know what the Chinese reaction will be, whether they'll uh, clamp down and be a harder police state or they're going to maybe uh, open up and uh, allow more freedom. So it's, it, it's which path they'll take. I fear the uh, toughened police state, but let's see what happens. South American weather, another area of focus for grain traders. People are watching South American weather with interest. It's a little dry in Argentina, something that will be very key as we go into the month of December. So that's where a lot of focus from Chicago traders is right now. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack met with the Mexican president and discussed a proposed ban on biotech corn imports. Without a solution, Vilsack said the U.S. government will take action through the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. National Corn Growers Association CEO John Doggett applauded Vilsack for being a tough advocate. Outside factors are big contributors to market highs and lows. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Geopolitical changes, weather, and other news contribute to market shifts. Innova's Agra owner Brett Elke says when it comes to risk management, farmers have a lot of information to sift through. Well, I mean, there's a probably a ton of information out there. You know, that's, that's part of the challenge is everybody's got a different opinion as to what markets are doing and where they're going to go. The big picture is what we really need to focus on, and obviously that's supply and demand. Those are numbers that are harder to quantify until we get closer to the end of the year. The demand part of it is a little bit concerning with exports being lower than expected. The supply, I think, is somewhat in question, 
And then, uh, obviously, the geopolitical stuff can have big impacts like the direction of markets movement. Elke says for the first time in a long time, Northern Plains basis is stronger than further south. If you look at uh, gas prices, what basis is across the country, we've got an advantage for one of the first times ever over the folks that are on the Mississippi River system. Uh, we've got better gas prices on soybeans and corn now than they do at a lot of those river terminals just because of the problems with the river levels in the southern part of the Mississippi. And the fact that a big share of our demand for grains of oil seeds is in the Pacific Rim and we're taking that stuff out to the West Coast. We still have a threat of a railroad strike, even though I believe that there's a lot of folks that are doing everything they can to prevent that. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, you can visit Facebook, Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more at our website, rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Snow being seen this morning running in a line from Denver to Sioux Falls to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Snowfall totals are 2 to 5 inches possible in southeastern South Dakota intracentral Minnesota. System should miss most of North Dakota, northern South Dakota, western and northwestern Minnesota. However, winds will pick up temperatures dropping. There is a chance of uh, snow accumulating in eastern North Dakota and northwestern Minnesota on Friday. USDA's National Ag Statistics Service has delayed the release of its cr uh, weekly crop progress report until 3 o'clock this afternoon. USDA is blaming a system outage for that delay. Well, a lot of fall fertilizer was put down this fall across the northern plains. However, Stonex Director of Fertilizer Josh Linville says that was not the case in other parts of the country. Uh, we're seeing a pretty good run in the north. Um, as we talk to the northern plains and regions like that, uh, farmers are saying, you know, or farmers and retailers alike are saying they had a pretty good run on anhydrous. Phosphate and potash is good. But it's the other areas. It's more the southern part of the U.S. that we're really worried about. Um, not really getting as good of a indication from the southern half of the U.S. that that season has been nearly as good. And other parts of the country still working on their fall fertilizer applications. Now, fortunately, I know here in northwest Missouri, we're looking at, we just gotten some moisture to come through. We're right back out in the field knocking stuff dead. So, fortunately, we're getting a secondary run, which could help us catch up on the anhydrous side. Phosphate and potash, I think there's a lot of farmers that are holding back and saying, I'll wait till this winter, I'll wait till the spring, and even if I go, I'm going to lower my application rate, and that could continue to weigh on price ideas. Backgrounding could add additional value to wean calves for some livestock producers. North Dakota State University Extension Livestock System Specialist Carl Hoppe <clears throat> says uh, there's a happy medium on weight gain for backgrounded calves. Lots of different things to look at backgrounding weights again. I always encourage the most amount of weight gain you can have is the best. Um, uh, but it's all relative. If you're looking for calves going into the grass market, anything less than two pounds per day would be appropriate. If you're looking for backgrounding calves for 60, 80 days, uh, two and three quarters pound a gain would be really good. If we're doing, uh, uh, three pounds per day gain, I wouldn't do that over 100 days or otherwise these calves will end up being fleshy. 
and be discounted at the marketplace when that happens. One of the biggest expenses is feed costs, and Hoppy recommends sourcing in-state byproducts or utilizing on-farm feed sources to lower those expenses. Well, I used to always say uh, one way to keep feed costs down in background and cattle is look at co-products because those are things that uh, are produced in North Dakota, usually discounted at a price. But now that all the other feed prices have gone up, our co-product prices have gone up as well. So um, it's really finding that niche of finding what's available. Usually anytime you can raise your feeds on farm, that's going to be the lowest cost to feed. After that, you need to uh, shop around and be competitive. Always got to put in a plug for distiller's grains. It appears that when you're buying distiller's grains, you're buying the energy, and then you get the extra protein in the distiller's grains at a lower price. Summit Carbon Solutions taking legal action against two Iowa counties to get its pipeline approved. These counties have strict setback requirements, and Summit wants the court to rule against those policies. Summit Carbon Solutions is partnering with the ethanol plants across the Midwest on this carbon capture project. The company has secured agreements on more than half of the proposed route. That pipeline will run across Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, South Dakota, and North Dakota. The North Dakota Agriculture Products Utilization Commission, or APUC, has awarded more than $1 million for nine projects. The biggest grant went to Vertical Malt to expand capacity. Other projects will assist with the development of an insect agriculture facility, develop a multi-mode imaging system for drones, and market hemp bedding and flaxseed supplements. Minnesota Department of Agriculture is funding three projects dealing with mental wellness in agriculture. The Minnesota FFA Foundation received $52,000 to support activities at the chapter levels. Grants were also awarded to the Southern Minnesota Agricultural Center of Excellence and the Latino Economic Development Center. Over the past five years, 83% of Canada's hog imports to the United States has been feeder pigs. Since 2021, that percentage dropped to 77%. In the same time, slaughter hog imports from Canada are up nearly 20%. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota will be the uh, will be beginning a, a new program aimed at improving soil health. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has that story. A joint effort between several entities is bringing a North Dakota program to life called the Trusted Advisor Partnership, or TAP. NDSU Associate Professor of Soil Health Dr. Abby Wick says this program will provide certified crop advisors another tool to help expand the adoption of profitable stewardship practices on farms. We focused quite a bit on, on bringing soil health to farmers and this idea of, you know, how do we how do we help farmers implement these practices? And we're seeing so much interest in it that now we're looking at working with, with the trusted advisors that are helping those farmers adopt those practices and how can we make sure that they have all the tools and the confidence they need to guide these practices on farms. We're working through trusted advisors, initially certified crop advisors in North Dakota to uh, to share experiences with them, research, science-based results, um, logistics, all those kinds of things that go into guiding a farmer into, into soil health building practices. Wick said she will act as a facilitator helping to bring information together. A team of certified crop advisors, NDSU faculty, and nationwide companies and organizations are working together to make this program possible. Uh, so some of our certified crop advisors that are leading the efforts, Lee Breeze out of Jamestown and, and Jason Hansen out of 
Webster, North Dakota, uh, uh, working with Jason Harmon on campus at NDSU to get all of this information pulled together uh, for kind of a curriculum. He's, he's an excellent teacher, so he's pulling it together so that we can basically develop modules that these uh, certified crop advisors will go through to learn about soil health. Uh, the state of North Dakota and also the Sustainable Food Lab, which is in Vermont, and their partners who are the major food and beverage companies. Companies involved in sponsoring this first-of-its-kind project include General Mills, the Walmart Foundation, PepsiCo, Anheuser-Busch, Unilever, King Arthur Baking, and Hershey. Reporting for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Japan has approved the protocol amending the U.S.-Japan trade agreement regarding the beef safeguard mechanism. The new three-trigger safeguard mechanism will allow U.S. exporters to meet Japan's growing demand for higher-quality beef while reducing the concerns of Japanese tariffs. Uh, Japan is the second largest export market for U.S. beef, with 2021 exports totaling almost $2.4 billion. Checking markets before we leave you this morning, we're seeing uh, wheat trading mixed. We're a little higher in Minneapolis and Chicago, a little lower in Kansas City. Right now, corn's down a penny and soybeans trading two to three cents higher. On the farm calendar this morning, again, the uh, Northern Ag Expo gets underway this morning uh, on tap today. Uh, carbon uh, Capture carbon storage uh, in North Dakota's ag economy with Charlie Adams from Summit Carbon Solutions. Get a market update with uh, Frayne Olson at NDSU, Randy Martinson of Martinson Agris Management, and Betsy Jensen with Northland Community and Technical College. Uh, and the uh, uh, show runs through tomorrow. Also the uh, on the calendar here today is uh, the uh, Year in the Life of the Farmers blog coming up. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.